today, uh, you know, we're going to look at the picture of Jesus. This comes from just a brief revelation for myself and past hurts and wounds that I have uh, maybe misfocused my fears or losses uh, at. God has shown me that those were misdirected and there's more to it than what I thought that lead me to my insecurities and my uh, fear of men and the fear of failure and the fear of thinking I'm not good enough. Uh, We have to remember that in those times that we have a friend in Jesus. We have someone who is able, capable, and willing to change all of that and take something that is horrible in our lives and turning it into something beautiful for someone else. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine at church, and uh, you know, every blessing that we are given on this earth, every revelation, every uh, breakthrough that God grants to us is not for our benefit. It is for the benefit of everyone around us, just like Jesus' life was not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of everyone on this planet. The picture of Jesus that as in his 33 years, you know, at 12 years old, he's preaching to people who are so supposedly so superior in their knowledge and wisdom of uh, what we call the Old Testament, the Bible that they had at that time. And he's preaching to them at 12 years old about the truth, about the meaning, and continued on until uh, his death on the cross. And you know what's sad about that is even the Pharisees and the religious people of that day still did not understand and still did not fully grasp who Jesus Christ was, who he who he is. They were thinking um, everything literal uh, as far as him talking about tearing down the temple and rebuilding it in three days. You know, uh, another friend of mine last night brought to their attention that in destroying the temple at his death, that he wasn't talking about the physical temple. He was talking about the his temple, the mortal temple, his body. And it was a good discussion last night that, yes, I mean, that's exactly what he was talking about, uh, that it is the physical body that is now our temple because we have no need for a stone, brick and mortar, as you call it, temple to worship and have a relationship with God. Uh, He was doing both, uh, tearing down the physical temple, removing that need and making him the need. Uh, Pretty simple thought process, I think, that, you know, he, he destroyed the physical temple and through our belief, belief in him and who he was and who he is that 
and our faith in him through the Holy Spirit, we are that temple. We can go from ourselves straight to God through Jesus by way of the Holy Spirit. And uh, pretty amazing, uh, you know, the picture of Jesus in our head. I mean, uh, like we were talking uh, in my small group last night, we were talking about, you know, just the how we're on the other side of what the Israelites and the disciples and everybody went through. We can see things from a different perspective because we're on this side of it. We see that Jesus, we can see who Jesus is and we can look at, you know, the people of that age that were calling for Jesus's crucifixion as we are fast approaching as a friend of mine call it the super bowl for christians this is the week that jesus was nailed to the cross right he died on the cross he rose again on a sunday three days later to rebuild the temple of the father through him. But uh, as we go through in church, we've been uh, focusing on the last 24 hours of Jesus's life. And yesterday was really the crucifixion. And it's a big deal because we look at all the events that happened to Jesus, all the things that he went through through the beating, the torture, the being spat on, the being humiliated from the same people that he healed, that he gave sight to. I mean, the people that he had been preaching to that had been following him that, you know, doesn't say, but I would assume that even some of the 5,000 people that he fed with the fish and the bread were there calling for his crucifixion, calling for his death on the cross uh, because of the peer pressure that uh, was on them and the fear that they had for the power of the Pharisees. Uh, and Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't handle business that way. He didn't use the, the spear or the sword. Right. I mean, he used his love and his kindness and his healing and his patience to preach the true word of God and, and, and to fulfill all the prophecies that were in the Old Testament. So what kind of man can endure what Jesus did, not just the physical pain, because I think that's what we focus a lot on as Christians. Actually, we probably pass over it more than we really want to deal with it. I mean, we understand that the the physical beating that Jesus took, you know, the cat of nine tails being one one whip or lash away from killing a man he took it 
the robe that was put on him that dried to his skin and they pulled it off as a, you know, just the horrible things that he endured that realistically should be every one of us on the face of the earth. That that is the physical pain that we should have to endure. The beating, the marching up to Golgotha, the embarrassment, the humiliation, the the tears wept by Jesus from the physical pain. But yet, not once did he waver in his caring of our punishment that was due us up to and including his death on the cross. Uh, I think that as we were discussing last night, yes, the physical pain was horrible. The physical pain was, if I'm being real, more than I more than I could have took. I would have probably been dead before I even got up to the hill. I mean, you had to carry a 300-pound cross up a hill. Uh, after being beat one lash from death, uh, to do that is just incredible. Uh, but I think the fact that the picture of Jesus that we need to see is that, yes, he did all of that, and we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father to take it away. So it's not like he didn't have fear of it or fear of what was coming, but the aspect that I think uh, we miss a, we miss the most and has really become evident through me in, in, in reading the different books that I've been reading, uh, you know, as far as the awe of God, Radical, uh, this new one I'm reading, Wild at Heart, is the spiritual torture, I think, was worse on Jesus than, than the physical. Uh, knowing that our God is perfect and cannot be around sin and have and sin can be nowhere near him because he is that perfect and glorified that Jesus knew more so than hanging on the cross, having a hard time to breathe, you know, being spat on and all the humiliation and the degrading that came along with it in our physical being in our minds that we can understand was something that I think true Christians or true believers of Jesus Christ often missed out in today's watered-down version of Christianity. Uh, so thankful that our church did not uh, take part in that watered-down version. Uh, yesterday was exactly about the crucifixion and what it meant it was such a wonderful message you can check that out on youtube at community life church uh on their youtube channel uh be week five of the last 24 go check it out great sermon and uh, you know i i believe with them i believe that we should focus more on the crucifixion that it is something that we overlook and look to the victory instead of the the pain. You know, like I said before, yeah, we, we win and we overcome things through our faith in Jesus Christ. 
but it's the trials that we have to go through as Jesus did while taking the punishment for our sins that we have to walk through all the things that we walk through in our life, but there is victory. But as far as our testimony goes, it is the pudding that matters to other people. How uh, did you do this? How did you get through it? And as we look at Jesus walking up, taking the beating, carrying a 300-pound or 150-pound section of the cross up to the hill of Golgotha, we, we see the strength not only internally, willfully, um, but we also see how much discipline it took because we know his his heart wouldn't. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. I mean, he didn't want to do it, but because he asked the father to take the cup from him. At the same time, he did not get the answer he wanted, so what did he do? He continued to complete the mission that was set before him by the father in taking the beating that each one of us deserves in the physical sense, the humility, the degrading of who he was by the same people that had been following him. Um, but I think the bigger fear for Jesus, going back to my point, is that at some point during this, as he's hanging on the cross or leading up to the cross, he knows that the one thing that he has not been without for his whole time on earth was the love and presence of the Heavenly Father, God the Father. And that during this time that that was going to leave him, that God, the Father that has loved him, who has said, this is my son with him and who I'm well pleased, is going to have to turn his back on Jesus. I don't know, uh, man, that's, that's a, uh, I think that's a bigger punch to the heart than, than anything physical. I think that's one thing, probably reason Jesus made it through this is that the pain of the physical wasn't as great as the loss, even for, I don't know, the time frame. I'm guessing from reading, you know, it's not, it's not very long from the time that he asked, Father, why have you forsaken me, right? While he's hanging on the cross, taking his last breath, speaking it is finished, that at that moment in his life, for the first time that he has felt truly alone because he was not in relationship with the father at that time because he was bearing the punishment that each and every one of us deserve 
from every soul that has been on this earth and every soul that will be on this earth. He was bearing that sin for us, for those to come. And the weight of God's wrath upon his soul and his spirit, which was the absence of the love of the Father. Now, we understand, as is, you know, the game has been won, that as he mortal body passed away, then he was returned and seated at the right hand of God the Father. But in those moments, the absence of the one who truly loves you because of something you didn't do, because of something you had no control over, the picture of Jesus pushing through, having the discipline, having the strength, the internal fortitude to push through that pain of the absence of the one who created you. And I think that's where a lot of us struggle in today's world is that we're looking to all this stuff to try to fill the hole of the one who truly loves us. And as we see in the picture of Jesus is that Jesus is the one who truly loves us because he is, we have a triune God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all one. So Jesus was God. Jesus was the one who loved us the most because he is the Father and he is the Holy Spirit. Even though they are separate in and at different periods in the Bible, they are all of God. So, deny, I mean, look at the strength it took for Jesus to deny himself. I mean, we were talking about it last night, and I'm like, man, that would be hard for me to do to take the beating that he took, you know, take that beating that he took, and then as you walk up to the hill, knowing that you're going to be hung on a cross, the most painful execution probably ever created uh that you were going to have to suffer that and you did nothing and all the people all the while you're walking up this hill and all the people well i saved him or i healed this person or i did this you know from my human perspective putting myself in jesus's spot you know i'm like oh no uh-uh this is done right now i'm through Y'all ungrateful little turds. You're going to spit on me now that you can see where the spit because I healed your eyes. Or I took this sickness out of you or I removed this demon out of you. And knowing you have the power to do so, to call down the legions of God's armies upon these people to save you. And yet, Jesus' heart and love for us because he was there when God created us because he is God to still go through it and finish it because we are worth that much to him, to the Father, 
to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand that all those people that were spitting on Jesus and mocking Jesus and just the humility of humiliation of Jesus, that like I said, these people have been following him, have been loyal followers. And we look at the crowd and we're like, man, how do you do that? Well, how do you do that? How do I do that? It is no different what we do in our daily lives uh, that we fall short of God's perfection. Right? So every day of our lives, we are those people that are spitting on Jesus and mocking Jesus and that is why Jesus was on the cross. His grace, as we accept him as our Lord and Savior, covers for those imperfections. Not that we don't, do not, we don't, as we grow closer to Jesus and learn and grow in learning who God the Father is, who Jesus is, and what the Holy Spirit, what he is to us, we start making that course correction, right? From away from the life of sin back to more of what Jesus represented in, in the image that he gives us to be. But in that process, we still fall short and we are still the Barabbas, the murderer that was set free. We are still the ones who mock Jesus and spit on him and calling names but it's the grace in between that change that is so powerful and is so wonderful and as we look at Jesus Christ yes Sunday is the Super Bowl he rose the temple and that picture of him hanging on the cross is a picture that if we look at it deeply, is a picture of us today, right now. You know, Jesus, you know, God is what God was in the beginning. He still is today, and he will still be forever. Um, but the picture of Jesus hanging on the cross is a symbol of not only forgiveness, but of hope, grace, that that should have been each and every one of us on the planet today. And because God loved us so much, he put himself into a human body and put that sacrifice on himself because he was the only one that could save us because of Adam and Eve and Satan's presence in this world that we could never, and because we were born into it with a natural sin nature, that we could never be that perfect sacrifice. Uh, 
you know, as you look back in the Old Testament and Leviticus and all the rules and all the laws for atoning for sin, the different animals that were used for different sin, and you go through all of that, which I have, I, it's hard for me to follow, but uh, as I go back through the Bible and read through it again, I mean, you see, you start to see the standard of God. You, I mean, you can really get a feel that you have to do every single thing in the atonement for sin that God laid out. And now you have to repent. You have to ask for forgiveness. You don't have to sacrifice because Jesus was that perfect lamb sacrifice. He was the only perfect thing on this earth since the fall that his blood covered the multitudes of God's wrath for each one of us. Each one of us should have been taking that walk. Each one of us should have been had 39 lashes from a cat of nine tails and beat and tortured to the point and then crawled up the hill with a 150 to 300 pound cross carrying it up there to have our hands and feet nailed to it and suffocate to death on the physical aspect. And then you have the spiritual aspect of where there is no hope. There is no life. You know, the only thing that's coming to you is an eternity in hell, in the lake of fire that you will burn and that you will be tortured daily for everything that you couldn't repent of or that you couldn't because you didn't have it or whatever. But Jesus made that sacrifice for us in that that punishment he put on himself so that we do have hope. We do have future. We do have grace in that Every day that we wake up, we have, because of Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, and through the Holy Spirit, we have the power each and every day to start the change in our lives that God had created us to be. And through our prayer and supplication and repentance to God the Father and with Jesus sitting on the right hand of God and all our prayers going through Jesus, then they can finally reach God and when they reach God then we have hope and we have hope for a future that we can be what we want to be as long as the picture of it represents and is a glorification of the kingdom of heaven um, we as believers I don't think in today's church society that uh, I don't believe that we truly believe that. I still think that some of us, uh, maybe not all the time, but at time at times have the spirit of doubters. Right? Do, is the Bible true? Is the Bible is everything that the Bible says? All sixty six books are these things true? Um, 
you know, we were watching the old Charlton Heston, the Ten Commandments. Uh, it was Friday night and uh, or Saturday night. And uh, my son was asking me, did this really happen? And I'm like, yeah, it did. And so, you know, we had to go through the story of Moses. And even then, uh, you look at these Israelites through Moses seeing the power of God, the Father. I mean, could you imagine standing at an ocean? That ocean, the water's just standing up in the wall on either side and you walk across it on dry land. Get to the other side and the guy who through the power and will of God led you across this ocean floor dry not one lost you get to the other side and he goes up to the mountains to talk to the one who did that to the oceans and then you start doubting that there is a God that what you just saw eh, wasn't real. How how could you lose faith so quickly in something that that God the Father just showed you his power and all the things that happened in Egypt leading up to that moment? And yet, as human beings, we still turn on our turn on God and, and created the golden calf, right? I mean, they made the golden calf less than less than a week after seeing an ocean spread apart that you could walk through on on dry land. And I think sometimes that's us today. We know the power of Jesus. We know the grace of Jesus. We know the love of Jesus. We know the love of God, you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But yet we still, each and every day, and I'm guilty of it as well. Walking through what we walked through uh, in my daughter's cancer journey that we're still walking through, there are days that I still fail God. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm asking myself, well, how can I continue? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen the blessings. I've seen the grace. I've seen the loves. I've seen the teaching of wisdom that he has placed in my life, in the life of my family. But yet, today, I'm going to fail, and I'm going to be the one spitting on Jesus. And that is not something that I'm okay with. And, and you know, that's the, I guess that's the sanctification part of living the life of Christ. That every day, but I don't think we think of it as spitting in the face of Jesus when we do these things and as i realized that it is actually me spitting in the face of jesus as he's carrying this cross up to the hill man that makes me sick to my stomach makes me i mean why am i not dead right i don't i don't deserve the love and the sacrifice that jesus made for me in my mind, in God's mind, that's not who he sees when he looks at us. He sees his creation and what his purpose was for us on this earth. And that's what he sees. Uh, 
But that's not what I see. I see Barabbas, the murderer, right? The instigator. Uh, because of my actions here that uh, I'm that guy. I'm the one who spits in the face of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Uh, not always by intention, but inevitably um, by lack of self-discipline, I guess, would be the only thing is that <clears throat> I am not uh, being all that God can be. I mean, you get me in traffic, and I'm I'm definitely like, uh, Barabbas was, you know, I'm definitely the one who would like to run you off the road because you don't know which lane to drive in. Uh, or I'm the one who doesn't take action when I feel the call that God has put on my heart to do something. Or in the moments of I do what I know I'm supposed I don't do what I know I'm supposed to do. I should be filling my time if I have any downtime with being in God's word and, and building my knowledge of his word and him, learning more of who he is and asking him to show me more. But we don't. None of us are perfect. And I, and I get it. But if and this is my thought process, that if through Jesus's death on the cross, he provided the helper, the Holy Spirit that is in us. Why can't we? If we were born into Adam's sinful nature and we were Adam, we are Adam, but at the moment, is that is that not what the Bible teaches? Is that in the moment that we accept Jesus Christ into our life, and accepting him as our Lord and Savior, that through the helper, the Holy Spirit, that we do have that ability. Because now we are no longer an image of a sinful man that stood by and let Eve eat the apple, or the fruit, whatever you want to call it, eat the thing that was forbidden, but now are we not much more? And now what, to me, that's what the New Testament is about, the building up of, okay, Jesus came. He, could have, he was the only one that could atone for our sin, was God from heaven come down, put himself in a man's body, taking the punishment that each one of us deserves for the sacrifice on the cross to sacrifice him for us to the Father through his pain and suffering to cleanse the entire sin of everybody that will walk on the face of the earth from the beginning to the end until the sun returns. But do we not have the ability in our faith and through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that we are now the temple that Jesus was talking about, that the physical temple that was built over 46 years that the Pharisees and the Israelites built, that Jesus destroyed that need for that temple. And now 
The spirit no longer has to be faced by another man. It is in us in order for us to be able to have that communication with God through the power and grace and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Are we not reborn into a new image of Jesus? That all that stuff that Adam did and all that stuff that caused us to sin at the moment that we accept Jesus Christ, are we not now in an image of Jesus Christ and not the image of Adam? That now through the Holy Spirit, we are no longer a product of Adam. We are now a product of Jesus Christ. Now, in our lives that we have lived so long in our mindset and our actions of, oh, we're Adam, we're sinful by nature, I think as we change and begin to follow and accept Jesus Christ into our hearts and our lives, that we are now no longer a product of Adam. And that we have to change that mindset that we are no longer sinful in nature. That because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, because of Jesus' gift to us of the Holy Spirit, we are now, as he says, reborn in the image of himself. We are now no longer, we can no longer say to ourselves, Oh, we're sinners. No. Once you accept that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, died on the cross, and three days later rose again and ascended to the right, to the seat, the judgment seat on the right hand of God, we are now images of Jesus Christ. And because our mindset has been for so long that we have to be, that we are natural sinners. I think our mindset now and the discipline now and the goal now is to say, no, I am not a product of Adam anymore. I have accepted Jesus Christ into my life. He is my Lord and Savior. He has provided me the Holy Spirit, whom if I pray to and who if I call on, as I should in each and every second of each and every day to strengthen me, to guide me, to provide me the wisdom that we can be the images of Jesus. It's not going to be easy. The sanctification process is we were under the thought of we are Adam instead of saying we are in the likeness of Jesus. That all of that stuff that Adam caused and all of that stuff that is <coughs> happened we are no longer a product of Adam once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior we are a product of Jesus and I think that's where we have to change our mentality men is that we are no longer products of Adam we are products of Jesus and our mindset has to shift into being in his word learning the things that he did implementing them into our lives 
on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, second-by-second discipline that he showed us how to do as he's taking the beating leading up to the day, leading up to the cross and the sacrifice that was made there. That, too, is our mission, men and women, and that it is to, (coughs) excuse me, to be an image of Jesus Christ, not an image of Adam any longer. The world looks like it looks today because we keep falling back and making an excuse that, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I know what he did, but I'm just a sinner. No. That mindset has to change. That mindset has to that I am of Jesus. And that because I am of Jesus and he is my Lord and Savior and I am a creation of the Father, through the Holy Spirit, the bad habits that I built and the mindset that I have of not being an image of Jesus that for so long we've told ourselves we're images of Adam and we hold the responsibility of all his failures that transfer into our lives, we have to change that. And we have to, through the sanctification sanctification process, Grace, love, and mercy of Jesus Christ, sacrifice on the cross, and the great love of the Father, we have and we are the image of Jesus Christ. We are no longer Adam. I don't know where exactly that came from. It just... I don't know, just popped in my head. I mean, that's, and I think that's the mentality we have to have. We can no longer use the excuse that, oh, we're sinners. Well, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if we are continually in the mindset that we are still Adam after his sacrifice, then we are no better than we are before. And his sacrifice was worthless. But in our hearts and in our minds, we have to change that mindset in our hearts that we are no longer failures that Adam was, that we are powerful. We are sons and brothers and daughters of the one true king, the king of kings, the name above every other name. And we have to put that in our heart and each and every day live that out. And be powerful and speak with the authority. Even if you don't know everything that somebody has been following Christ for 30 years. Doesn't matter. The power of the Holy Spirit is with you. And when we speak in that power and through that power. Then. Then we start the change of sanctification in becoming. What Jesus. We shed the skin of the sinful nature of Adam, and we start to believe that we are as Jesus created us, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created us to be, that we can start stepping into that truth and speaking that truth that we are no longer, we have, we are no longer 
Adam. That Jesus' example is the one I'm looking like. I'm going to look like Jesus. My life is going to look like Jesus' life. Right? So the picture of Jesus is a hard one. And our mindset has to change to that picture of him that his life was hard. And our and we have to realize that our life is going to be hard. But that his sacrifice on that cross was, was not so we can continue to live in sin, but so we could step out of it and now represent the image of Jesus Christ by our lives, by our actions, by our words, by the things that we do that glorify his kingdom. That our love for other human beings on this planet is greater than making an excuse of a lost world that listens to Satan and who they are and what they are. When we as Christians make that mindset and change it and realize that we are no longer an image of Adam, we are, after the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are an image of Jesus, and our lives should reflect that. Yes, we have grace through the sanctif- in the sanctification as our lives get closer to looking as Jesus' Jesus's life did. We have grace to be able to repent and ask for forgiveness in order for us to continue to look more like Jesus each and every day. That is our mission, to change the human race, that every human on this planet that we can effectively reach and however God provides us to reach them, that they know the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once we do that, Jesus will do the rest. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit will change their heart if that is their choice after hearing the gospel so that they too can no longer be a reflection of Adam and Eve, but they can be a reflection of the one true King, Jesus Christ. And that is our goal. And it's time for men, as we are the first image bearer, and Jesus was a man, that we too have to step first into that belief. And we have to lead our families into that belief. Our son, our wives, our sons, our daughters, our brothers, our sisters, aunts, uncles, whatever. Everybody on the planet. That should be our mission. It's that everybody has the opportunity to look like Jesus instead of looking like Adam and Eve. And that's my belief that men, we are to be the first ones to step out that we are to be the first ones to say, you know what? I'm not going to be perfect because I am not God, but I do have the spirit of God in me through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And I'm not going to waste that sacrifice any longer that people will start seeing that, Hey, I love you. I don't like what you do, but I do love you. And this is the truth. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth and it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult but it's because I love you that I tell you that. And no matter what you do to me, that love will never change because now I am 
a son of God. And that is our mission, to spread that gospel to the entire world. So, <clears throat> wow. Uh, I don't think that was that was truly God right there because uh, that was not in my notes. That was not uh, in my head on how I thought the... Uh, the show was going to go today. Uh, I'm thankful that it did. Uh, as always, you know, I, it's my mission just to, uh, as men, to help us be and don't consider ourselves uh, the image of Adam anymore. Quit falling back on that that scapegoat, that uh, way out, that easy way, right? If our lives, men, are going to look like Jesus Christ, then we got to step up and start speaking the truth, no matter what it costs us up to and including our life. And in that case, then they have only done us a great honor by sending us home because this is not our home. But we are to save as many, or to spread the gospel of Jesus to as many as we possibly can in any arena of our gifting that he has chosen us to be, whether it be politics, whether it be ministry, whether it be prison minute. I mean, it just whatever, wherever your whatever job you have, that is your ministry. And that is what God has called you to do and preach his word. So if you're in politics, it's time for you to step up and start speaking God's word into these corrupt people that we have there. If you know, you're a school teacher, it's time to stand up. And let the people know that, hey, you know what? This this is not right. This is not what we should be teaching our kids. Uh, there are two species, male and female, always have been and always will be. No matter what you think, what you say, the truth is the truth. And I'm telling you this because I love you. So we are called to be wherever he has us, wherever your career is. You want your career to be more fulfilling. You want your life to be more fulfilling than wherever God has put you. That's where you speak the gospel and that's where you speak the truth because that's what it's going to take for us to truly be the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. So, men, <clears throat> just remember, as you go and do what you do this week and today, Answer the call of men.